So uh, last week I, I, I shared a message and uh, I really, really encourage, uh, I really thank you guys for the encouragement and just uh, the, the text and emails and things that I saw on Facebook as you guys were responding to the Word of God last week. And I heard many of you say that it was a very convicting and challenging message, and uh, it was very convicting and challenging to me as, as well. And uh, there were several things that many of you shared this week about how, you know, last week's message was about uh, our financial past and uh, how Denny Kramer had prophesied this word to us about how blessing <clears throat> or how prosperity uh, is determined by your generosity, and he gave us a couple points, and I'm, I'm preaching on that, that message of Denny, and so uh, Dennis prophesied to us a message that I think was very, very powerful, and I, over the last three or four weeks, I've really been chewing on it, and Karen and I have been praying over what it means for our house, but last week, I heard many of you say that you started working on your financial past. Did anybody else start working on their financial past this week? I hope a lot of you did. Um, that was, is this thing on already? Or is it off? All right. So last week, the directional word from Dennis was he told us that we needed to address our financial past. And the question that we asked last week was, in review, if you weren't here with us, was, is there anything in your financial past that God wants to clean up? And I shared a couple things in my own life and was vulnerable with you about what God had been dealing with me on to clean up from my financial past. I shared with you how I emptied my, uh, not emptied, uh, drained my emergency fund in order to correct some things that the Lord had convicted me on. And I even heard this week where uh, there was one on Facebook where somebody uh, went to their mother and repented to their mother about owing money, and, and, and so they, they were cleaning up their mess, and I was really excited to see that God is, is doing the work in our hearts to clean some things up from our financial past. And I hope that you made plans, and I hope you made some strides in your own life, because we want the prosperity of God to come towards you and not away from you. Actually, we already have the prosperity of God coming to us. It's just usually we eat it all up. <laughs> we usually eat our seed instead of uh, doing what God wants us to do with it. But at any rate, um, I know many of you sac or laid your billfolds and your pocketbooks before the Lord at the altar last week. And I know that this, this work of God correcting our financial past, Denny said, if we'll do these two things, he said, and then he said, and you'll, if you'll tie and become a generous person, that literally it, it, prosperity will overtake you. It will come upon you. And I remember what I said last week, I, and I want to say again, I am not trying to get something out of you today. I am not trying to get more money into this church. I'm not trying to get more in offerings. I'm trying to get something to you. I'm trying to bring something to you, not get something from you. There is, there is a problem in the house of God. There is a problem in the body of Christ that needs to be addressed. And there is, there is lack in so many people's lives. And I'm trying to bring something to you and for you. And it is going to transform your legacy. It's going to transform your heritage. It's going to transform your children and your children's children. It's going to break poverty off of you. Amen. A spirit of poverty has no place in God's people. Amen. Poverty has no right to take you. 
And so what I'm doing today is I'm, I'm honoring the word of the Lord that came through Dennis. And I ch we changed the messages because we were on a theme and we're going to get back to that. But we felt like this was a, such a timely word that Dennis brought. And so I'm just going deeper into what Dennis shared with us. Are you guys cool with that? And so uh, today we're going to go over Dennis Kramer's second point in, in the message today. And this message is honestly going to be, I believe, groundbreaking and shattering of some financial idols that we have in our life. Uh, you might not like me after today. I am a teddy bear, but you might not like the teddy bear, no. You, you, don't, don't kill the messenger because the messenger but truly I'm sharing something that's going to be I believe t totally totally uh, a breakthrough for all of us and uh, I have been in many tears this week grieving and asking for the power of the Holy Spirit to break into this message and to break into our lives and to break into our pride and our religious spirits and our our, our seducing things in our thinking of the, when it comes to money. And I believe the Spirit of God is here and has already, already, already tilled the ground of our hearts, even with Michelle's word when it said, get over yourself. We're going to get over ourselves today. Amen. Amen. And so I'm really excited about what I'm going to share. And so, uh, but, but what I want to say is the first point that Denny made about addressing your financial past one thing I want to say today is you can't even begin to work on dealing with your financial past if you don't have the point that I'm going to share today. Actually, the point that I'm going to share today, if you don't do something about what I'm going to share today, you will not have the resources to take care of your financial past. Because it's going to require something from you to get some freedom in your life in order for you to even take care of the one we talked about last week. Because there are so many in the body of Christ who don't have an emergency fund right now in order to clean up their financial past. I mentioned that last week. You don't have any extra to pay the people back that you owe. You don't have any extra in order to, to, to repair your past. And so in my situation, you know, the Lord had revealed to me Again, last week I shared how um, there was a gift our family had given, uh, our, our close family had given to us years ago, and it was a sizable amount of money, and we were in such a place financially where we had some fear, and I didn't tithe on that. I didn't give to the Lord what was the Lord from the increase, because the Bible talks about your increase, and when you get an increase, when you get income, that, the, the, that we as lovers of God are to, to give what belongs to God first. And we had not done that. And so I wrote a check to the church and take care of that. And there was an area where last week I shared with you how um, several years ago we went to Florida and my mother-in-law always pays for the plane ticket for whoever rides with her to help her because she's 85 years old. And in that situation, what happened was uh, I put her credit card on and but her credit card stayed on the the payment it, it you know how it stays on when you pay for a plane ticket or anything you pay for it it goes to the last credit card you used and so then when i my son went to we flew him up to canada hit that ticket to going to canada got put on her credit card and god said you owe your mother-in-law money <laughs> and i said okay i will i will pay my mother-in-law back you're right it went on her credit card i didn't pay for it 
and uh, we did, we, so we corrected all that stuff. And so that's what we've been talking about, correcting our past. But if you don't have any extra, how do you correct your financial past? How do you do it? Little by little, you can. But I, I believe what God wants to do in this hour. I believe if you'll put your faith to this message and you'll do what the Word of God says, I believe the grace of God's going to come and you're gonna, he's going he's gonna to bring extra into your what you can't do. He's going to bring to you what you need in order to f- correct your financial past. And I shared with you how I got a $5,000. I didn't know I was supposed to tell it. I got a check on last Friday. Wasn't supposed to tell that amount. Sorry about that. <laughs> but the Lord, what I took out of my, my emergency fund, God gave me right back something I couldn't have done. I was in my mind thinking, how am I going to get that emergency fund built back up? How in the world am I going to do this? Little by little was I thinking. But when I put faith and obedience to what God is saying to us, what he does is he does what you can't do. And all of a sudden, it comes to you rather than away from you. People's hearts get turned towards you rather than away from you. God uses people to bless you. And when people aren't blessing you, if you're not being blessed and it's not coming towards you, you have to take a look at your financial path. You have to take a look at these things that Dennis Kramer shared with us, and we have to begin to correct them and get our heart in alignment with our money. Everybody say, I'm going to get my heart in alignment with money. And so today, uh, we're going to, you've got to get this point that I'm sharing today so that you can have enough money in order to go back and fix your financial past. Because many of you are in a place where you haven't obeyed the Lord and you don't, have a, you don't have an emergency fund, you don't have a budget, you don't have all the things that we've been teaching in this house. And I get it, I get it. It's, it's, it's not fun dying to self. It's not fun making Jesus Lord of your money. We want him as Savior. Save me, save me, save me. Bail me out, bail me out, bail me out. Right, right, right? We've all been there, right? When we make Christ Lord, it really does require us to yield every aspect of our lives to the Lord. So, the point, the second point that uh, Dennis made was this one. Hopefully you remember it. Dennis said, address your current financial situation. So he said, you have to address your financial past, but he also said, I want you to address your financial future. This was a prophetic word. Everybody say that was a prophetic word. So today we're going to take an inventory of our lives and how we spend money. Everybody say, woohoo! I'm going to inventory my life on how I spend money. And you're going to love this. Everybody say, I'm going to love this. Over the last three weeks, Dennis Kramer's word has just been turning over and over inside of me. But here's what devoted followers do. Here's what devoted followers of Jesus Christ. I want you to write three things down. These are three questions you're going to ask the Lord this week. This is going to be the end of the service. This is going to be what your homework is for the week. Because we are people who love to do the Word of God, right? So I want you to write down these three questions. And you're going to be answering them this week. And I'm going to start sticking, I'm going to start stomping on toes today. And God's going to highlight some of this already in the message. He's going to convict us all in areas of our life where we need to address our current financial situation. And we need to look at it and we need to take an inventory of it. So everybody got something, an iPhone or a pad of paper? These are the questions I want you to write down. Number one, God, is there anything that needs cleaned up on how I currently spend money or manage money? 
I'll give you time to write that down. If you want to take a picture of the screen, it will save you a whole lot of time. Number two, God, am I currently generous or stingy with money? Do I share with others well? And number three, God, do I have any idols with money? All right, love seeing them cameras. That's right, get them cameras out, take a picture. It's a lot quicker. And if you need that, I'm, I'm not going to spend four minutes letting you write it down, so I'm going to keep going. So my question is, will you God, allow God to correct you on how you currently spend money? He wants to bring prosperity to you. And are you willing to allow God to change the way you spend money? The answer for that is supposed to be yes. <laughs> it was funny when we got home last week after church. Um, my daughter said, uh, wow, that was, people were quiet. And I suspect we're even going to be more quiet today. Because we do have idols when it comes to money. And we do have some things that need to be cleaned up when it comes to spending money. I am going to help us bring deliverance to that situation as we take inventory of our life financially with God. So where I want to start today is I want to start with taking a look at where America spends money. And I wanted to allow it to convict our hearts as we take inventory of our own lives. So I'm going to share some things with you today that actually blew me away uh, because I don't live this way. And uh, there's areas where God's correcting in my current financial situation. I'm going to be vulnerable with you today, and I'm going to share some areas of our current financial situation that God's convicting us on. But I want to show first how America is giving uh, it, right now. And so America is currently giving over $400 billion to charities and nonprofits. We're talking about pet charities. We're talking about Salvation Armies. We're talking about uh, any type of nonprofit that is helping people. And there are $400 billion that is being given to charities and nonprofits. And there's a lot of philanthropic work that billionaires and millionaires do that accompany this total in the $400 billion. And approximately of that $400 billion, about $50 billion of it goes to churches annually. So God gets about 12% of that total giving by Americans. So about 12% of the 400 uh, Americans are giving. And the average adult gives $17 a week to the church, or about $884. That's how America is currently giving. And I want you to remember the 50 billion. Everybody say 50 billion. 50 billion. I want you to remember that total as we start to go through what America is spending her money on. And I pray that you get grieved in your spirit because unfortunately you're going to find yourself in some of these figures. You guys ready to get out? Everybody say ouch. ouch. How many wore steel-toed boots this morning? <laughs> oh boy, we are in trouble. Mike, you're the only one. Hallelujah. <laughs> Mike, you'll fare well. No, I'm just kidding. And, to, and guys, I, I really, I really, really don't want to shame us. I really am praying that these statistics and these things 
really, really begin to convict us. And we realize, all of us know the big places we spend money. We spend money on homes, we spend money on cars, we spend money on utilities, we spend money on taxes, we spend money on entertainment, we spend money on personal care items, we spend money on vacations, we spend money on our health care, we spend money. There is all those necessities that we have to spend money on, correct? And we have to have a house. But what kind of a house is where we get jacked up? We have to have a car, but what kind of a car do we ha- get? What we, there, there, there's a lot of necessities that we have in life, but how we spend it is determined by our idols and our lusts and our desires. And I'm not saying that those desires are necessarily evil. I am not, I mean, it is okay to have a nice home. It is okay to have a nice car. Please, I'm not, I'm not saying that you can't have these kind of things. But we have to put them in perspective and we have to ask the Spirit of God. And I'm going to share some things that Karen and I are going through that will help you get an understanding of where I'm coming from. Because the Spirit of God is wanting to get us over ourselves. <laughs> and get us in a different place. Amen. Do you guys feel that? Do you guys believe that with me? And so that's, that's really where I, I want to go today. So, for the first time in American history, there is somebody that knows this, don't shout it out because I told you, how Americans spend money. For the first time in American history, Americans spend more money on blank than groceries. What do you think that might be? Going out to eat. Good job. Good answer. Give Ashley a hand. For the first time in American history, we are now spending more money on, on, on eating out than we are with groceries. We spend $55 billion on eating out, and we spend $50 billion giving to God. We spend $55 billion on eating out, and we spend $52 billion on groceries. And we spend $50 billion giving to God. Now, here's, I want to see who knows the millennials and all the generations. How many times eating out do you think the average millennial who is age 20 to 40, the Gen Xers age 40 to 54, and the baby boomers age 55 to 75, how many times a week do you think and who do you think's the number one on the list, if you were to guess? Which age generation do you think out, eats out the most? Somebody said Gen X? X. Boomers. Boomers have more disposable income, right? I don't know, boomers. Hey, millennials. Hey, Gen X, what do you think it is? Okay, millennials lead the pack eating out five times a week. Millennials. Millennials spend more on eating out and Starbucks and bars. Five times a week. All right. How much now we have next in line, number two, is uh, my baby boomer generation. And we do four times a week. And Gen X is only three times a week. 
Go Gen X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Gen X. I think Gen X is the most of this church, right? right? I mean, think about it. Five, four, and three times a week that we are eating out. And there's more to come. There's more to come, church. But here's a U.S. This is a uh, USA Today study. You guys ready for this? With food compromising a large part of families' budgets, usually 15 to 20 percent. So they say you should spend about 15 to 20 percent on food. The cost of eating out versus eating in makes a huge difference on America's budgets. It's estimated that the typical restaurant charges 300% more on the same meal as what it would cost you to prepare it at home. That added money eats into one's food budget at an alarming pace. That means if the average family in America that spends $3,000 a year on takeout and restaurants in 2015, that if that was spent on home-cooked meals, instead it would cost the equivalent of $1,000 which would be a $2,000 a year savings by eating at home. Interesting. So you're blowing it in food. Here's one of the hidden costs that the survey said, and here's where I think it really meets home with my heart. The hidden cost of eating out. Kids are trained to get what they want when eating out versus eating at home. Kids are trained to get what they want with eat, with, when eating out versus eating at home. This drives up the entitlement and the selfish cravings of kids. It is not helping train the future generation of the difference between wants and needs. They don't learn self-control, and they don't learn discipline, and they don't learn how to obey their parents. A hidden cost to eating out. It, it eliminates the fights at home. I don't want to eat that. Oh, I don't want chicken and broccoli. Okay, go to bed hungry. So what about you? Is God wanting to correct the way you spend money eating out? Could the extra you spend for yourself to be put to correcting your financial past? What if I took the extra $2,000 and I put it to people that I owe? Or I put it to stuff that I can correct my financial past with? For paying my mother-in-law back. Or paying bad debt. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be real vulnerable here and really show my backside. Um, eating out. So our family does it once a week. We budget it in once a week, and it's usually Sunday. And uh, we're pretty conservative most of the time. And, but food is definitely, I know you'd have a hard time seeing it, but food is probably an area that God might be trying to deal with my heart on. <laughs> so we, uh, you know, 
how do I go here? Gum, 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 just go headlong into it. So a couple Fridays ago, we had our anniversary and we were downtown and I told you about the, ho the free hotel stay, which was great. And um, um, the only thing we spent money on was, guess what? And after we ate dinner, I was grieved. I was like, why did we do that? I'd never eaten at this restaurant in my life. I'd heard of other people eating at this restaurant. And uh, many people eat there on a regular basis, probably. I don't know. And uh, it's, it's called Ruth Chris. I'd heard so much about it. But hey, you know, to each his own. The ribeye I had was better at Texas Roadhouse, I promise you. But the bill was a little different. With tip, because I'm very generous, my family, or me and my wife, spent $176. Two people. Now, the tip was really generous, because I'm a giver. And we walked out of that restaurant grieved. Because there's nothing wrong with eating out. But it's just like I said, a home is a necessity, but what kind of a home? Food is a necessity, what kind of food? Clothes are an important part of covering up. Can I have a witness? Yeah. Glory to God for clothes. But what kind of clothes? I can wear an Armani suit, or I can wear this $6 shirt here that my wife got on sale. Big difference. Big difference. Eating out. Come on, we're reeling back in. So God grieved, I got grieved, and I thought, wow, God, what could that money have been given or helped or done with? I mean, it's great to celebrate my wife, but we were both like, that was stupid. God forgive us. We repent. Because, I'm sorry, I'm, I may get a little graphic here, but that food was gone the next morning. It didn't hang around long. We are consumers. Okay. How about you guys? How are you guys doing with eating out? Do you blow your budget? Or do you even have a budget? Holy Spirit, would you just... We could get, we could get lighthearted on it, but God, really, what are you trying to do in our hearts? Because we're now consuming, eating out more than we are our groceries. And God does want to bless us. Don't get me wrong. He wants us to bless and he wants us to be a blessing. Okay, the next one. You ready for this one, guys? Oh, gosh, no, go back. Go back. No, no, you can't have that one. Oh, yeah, I don't have a thing for it. That's right. I shared this a little bit last week. That'll be fun when we see that. You guys will like that one. America spends at Speedway and Casey's and convenience stores $300 billion. How much should we give to God, remember? Fifty billion. So we six times, six times on non-gas items, non-gas, 
This is convenience store items, consumption items. This isn't eating out items. This is consumption items. It is the 16th straight year of record sales in convenience stores. And here's what happened to me on Friday. You guys ready to hear what happened to me on Friday? So we're coming home Friday night. I got to get gas. Got to get gas. And I love it when I get gas and the receipt thing doesn't work. And you have to go inside the convenience store. And many of you don't keep receipts. You got to keep your receipts. There are so many mistakes made on credit cards. I'm telling you, if you're not itemizing your credit card and checking off your receipts to make it sure it's your purchase, you are spending money that you don't need to spend. I was in banking. Mistakes are made. I have caught so many mistakes on my credit card. Yes, Eric has a credit card, but yes, it gets paid off every month. I do not have debt in credit cards. So just don't freak out. I know Dave Ramsey says, don't have credit cards. I'm cool with that. Don't. But I get 2% two, two cash back, and I'm using that money, and I'm making money on money. So, but I can handle that. Most people can't handle credit card. But pay off your credit card every month. Everybody say that. Pay off your credit card every month. But I get this receipt, and I can't get it, so I have to go in the convenience store, and I'm three back. And I'm ready to get home. It's, I'm tired. It's late. I'm like, come on, let's go. And the first guy spends $38, $38 on lottery tickets, pop, and several other items. And I'm going, I think I'm supposed to be here. I think you've set me up, Lord. The second guy gets up there, and he has five small little chichi margaritas, about that tall, chichi margaritas, and he has two cans of Alpo. And he spends $23 plus on Chi-Chi and Alpo. I don't know if he's going to give the margaritas to the dog or what. <laughs> and the third guy just had, I mean, it was just chips and ding-dongs and all kinds of stuff. And this is like 9.30 at night. And according to MNBC study, people are keeping fewer foods in their pantry and reaching more often to quick prepared foods. The average time spent in a Speedway or Casey's is four minutes. I spent more than four minutes there waiting on my receipt. But here's the deal. 83% of what is sold is consumed within an hour. And 65% of it is consumed immediately. Everybody say consumed. What is this teaching our children? What is it teaching our children? That big 44-inch gallop cup. What's it teaching our kids? I want what I want, and I want it. And I want it. I want what I want, and I want it. sing it want it I want what I want when I want it I want what I want when I want it yep. 
Thank you. Thank you, Benjamin. Everybody give Benjamin a big hand. I am trying to lighten the mood of the conviction, but dear God, if, you, if, if, if Americans are spending $300 billion in convenience store, I, I told my wife, you don't, she didn't think it was true. I said, honey, go sit at Speedway. Go watch all the stuff that comes out of that place. Consumers, it's all about what I want. And we don't connect our actions to our kids' behavior. If you eliminate this, how could you clean up your past? If you eliminated going into these stores and you quit spending that money, what could you have? What could you give? How could you clean up your past? How could you actually use that money to pay for cleaning up your past? Years ago when I was in the bank, I, a guy owed me money and I was trying to collect the debt. And I was just saying, man, just pay 10 bucks a week. It was charged off. We'd already put it in bad debt. And he was, I was just $10 a week. We lived in Union City at the time and I worked at the Union Trust Company. And we go to Target in Muncie and this guy, as soon as I walk in, he's over there playing video games. I'm going, where's my 10 bucks? Oh, it's in the video game. And he's dropping quarter after quarter after quarter. And so me and Karen go in and shop. And when we come out, he's still playing. It was crazy. I was like, really? <laughs> really? Oh, what we could do with the extra money that we're wasting. What about you? What's convenience stores doing for you? Just let that set in a little bit. Holy Ghost, what's it doing for us? It's a poverty mentality is what it is. May the Spirit of God convict us that we'll give more to consuming for ourselves than we will to God. Please, God, forgive us. Oh, that's not the only area, my friends. And this one touches home really heavy for me. How about youth sports and extracurricular activities like uh, basketball, dance lessons, karate, um, music, choir, band, all the extra that we spend towards youth activities. America is spending somewhere between 30 and 50 billion on youth events, sports, and not just sports. Sports is the biggest piece of that pie. And it is estimated that one third of families' income is going to these activities. One third. Before you stone me, I spent a lot of t money on basketball and my kids playing sports. We did have to put a cap on it and we did put it within the budget, but it, we spent some serious money. I actually was gonna show a video of my son Abraham when he was in recruiting. I didn't spend this money, but my father-in-law did because my father-in-law you know, thought my boys were going to be the next Michael Jordan and all that kind of stuff, you know what I'm saying? 2% of kids 
in sports will go to college on a scholarship. My kids, my boys went one year to a college playing basketball. You guys know that. And uh, my father-in-law dropped $2,500 for a video for recruiting for my son. I was going to show you that video, but I was too ashamed of it. All of Abe's great shots, all of Graves' great moves, all that, just all that vanity and the pride of life. And what I'm getting ready to share on a statistic is definitely what happened to my boys. So now you know why I've been grieving. In 2014 data, a data sports and exercise psychologist, Travis Dorsch, found an inverse relationship between the amount of money families spend on organized youth sports and their kids' level of enjoyment and commitment to the sport. The more money, the more money families spend on sports, the less their children enjoy the sport. He said in an interview that the findings of the study surprised even him. You would expect that kids of means are going to have more fun and to be more committed because their parents can afford all the best equipment, the best coaches, but we found the exact opposite, that more is not better. The study actually came to find that parents are burning themselves out, working extra hours to fund these activities. They are working long hours to make more money. They are working long hours to make more money, and it's having an adverse effect on families' health. These activities cause families to eat out on the run because they are too busy. Because they're too busy. Funding their college dreams or... And I will say, man, dude, we had a lot of fun going to basketball games and volleyball games and tennis matches. And we made a lot of coaches mad because we wouldn't play on Sunday. And we thought we were going to change the culture if we didn't play on Sunday. Well, I promise you that we didn't change the culture. We're spending alarming amounts of money as a nation on youth sports and youth activities. It's not just, it's not just basketball. Now, one thing I will say, I think within balance, I think sports can be a wonderful tool to teach our children discipline, hard work, selflessness, team, um, and all those kind of things. But that's not what America is doing right now, is teaching their kids those kind of principles. They're teaching the kids principles to win at any cost, and the cost is the family and those activities that families are involved in. And so what could you clean up from your past if your money was not consumed by youth activities? I'm not saying, and I'm not going to tell you not to do it. I think the Holy Spirit has to tell us. And um, I, I know in my own life, there is some of what we did was the Lord. I really believe that. And there was a lot that wasn't the Lord. And we've had to repent. I can't clean that up other than repenting. Asking God to forgive us for what we, we did. Because it's not like I can, you know, get that back. How about you? And it doesn't stop there. I'm going to hit these pretty fast for the sake of time. Video games, 44 billion. Movies, 12 billion. Lottery, 80 billion. How much do we give God? 
Lottery? Wow. Summer vacation? Here's the scary thing on the summer vacations. You ready for this one, guys? 75% of Americans borrow for that. You don't borrow for vacation. You don't borrow for vacation. Vacation's a good thing, but you save for vacation. You put it back for vacation. Can I have an amen on that? Pizza, mm, 43 million, or billion, excuse me. Fantasy football, I don't even know what that is. What is fantasy football? That's a fantasy. Look at this bottom one, treating anxiety and stress-related illness. Could they be tied together? <laughs> Getting drunk, 224 billion for God's sake. Tobacco, 6 billion. Marijuana, the marijuana statistics is 7 billion documented. They're estimating it's $50 billion industry is what they're estimating. And in 2024, they're saying that it's going to be an $80 billion industry. Pot, marijuana. <coughs> Cosmetics, woohoo, $62 billion. Nails, $7.5 billion. Coffee for 25 to 34 years olds. They spend $2,008 a year. 35 to 44 on coffee. Charlene, you'll like this one. $1,410 a year, but yet we give $884 a year to the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> Glory, hallelujah. We won't talk about any idol. That's right. We spend more money on coffee, cosmetics, food, lottery, vacation, and stress-related disorders. Convenience stores, pizza, and video games. <laughs> Come on, church. Are you with me? According to the research commissioned by Ladder and conducted by one poll, the average adult in the USA spends 1497 Everybody say $1,497 a month on non-essential items. Everybody say non-essential items. Non items. Almost $18,000 a year that we're spending on stuff that we don't need. That's the average. That's the average. <laughs> you can come out here and go, oh, great, man, I'm doing pretty good. I'm only doing $300 a month. <laughs> no, that's not what we're saying. While America and their savings rate is plummeting, consuming things that are not necessary is at an all-time high. When the economy fell in 2008, it wasn't movies and eating out that got hit. It was people not paying their bills that got hit. Where could that 18,000 go? Could that 18,000 go to your financial past and correcting what you've done in the past? Or are you going to continue to just eat it away and consume it on yourself? And here's the crux of the scripture that is just 
radiating inside my heart. They will be rather they will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God in the last days. In the last days, they will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I don't think that's just the world. I think it's in the house of God. We are addicted to pleasure. But Dennis said we must address our financial past and we must address our current financial expenditures and correct it. It keeps you in lack and from being generous, which shuts off the flow of the kingdom towards you. And are you and how are you wasting money as we speak? Are convenience stores costing you big money? Is eating out costing you big money? The whole list above of what we've talked about today, is it eating at your pocketbook? And what is God convicting you of today? What habits of self-consumption have got to change in your life? What idol needs to be brought down? I don't want to shame you today. Shame is a powerful emotion that can cause people to feel defective, unacceptable, and even damaged beyond repair. When you feel shame, you're feeling that your whole self is wrong. But when you feel guilty, you're making a judgment that something you have been doing is wrong. And I think that's what the Spirit of God is trying to do. He's trying to show us through really what the, what, what's going on in our culture of how we've been wrong and how we've spent money. And I believe that the way most Christians are spending money has been wrong. We've been deceived and we don't know the difference between a want and a need. Hear me. We don't know the difference between a want and a need. We're consumed with what we want, not with what we need. Here's a scripture that's been taken out of context many times, out of Philippians 4.19. And my God will what? Meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. We love the second part of that verse because we attach it to the riches of his glory in Christ. But the promise is to meet all your needs. I'm going to talk about needs next week, and I'm going to talk about that word in the Greek, and we're going to break it down, and we're going to go into it because we really need to differentiate between needs and wants. And I am not here to say that God doesn't give you what you want. He does. He, got, he likes to give and pour into your lap above and beyond what you can ever dream or imagine. His word says he loves to pour out blessings upon his kids. He loves to do it. But I'm telling you, he's not a God of waste. The other scripture that we know and we've quoted many, many times is out of Matthew 6 in his first sermon. Jesus said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear. Stop. What is he talking about? What are the three necessities? Food, clothes, and shelter. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, reap, or stow away in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things, guess what happens? They'll be just given to you. They'll just come to you. Deuteronomy 28 says, If you will hearken your ears to the voice of the living God this day and do all that he commands you, all these blessings will come upon you. They'll overtake you.
Here's a little bit of our journey on hearing God's voice through Dennis's message. Karen and I have been praying and asking God for three weeks what he wants to change in the way we spend money. We've been taking inventory. We've been asking God to correct us. Yours is going to be different than mine. Because we don't go to Speedway. We don't eat out all the time. We've been pretty conservative with our money over the years. And we have more than enough. But God's still correcting us. Several weeks ago, we had a garage sale. And in that garage sale, we got rid of a bunch of stuff. And God really, really convicted us and said, don't buy anything else. Don't add to your barn. Don't get more stuff until we talk. We said, anything's on the table, Lord. We said, anything you want, you can have. If there's anything you want us to change the way we spend money, our biggest expenses is a $600 mortgage payment. We have no debt. We have $600 mortgage payment, and we have about $600 a month in food. Lord, is there anything you want to change? Do you want the home? You can have the home. Do you want the home? You can have the home. Anything. Anything's on the table for Karen and I. We start saying, does God want to downsize us? Do he, does he want us to move? Does he want us to do something different? Lord, the home is yours. What do you want to do? We started looking at a friend's house that we know are getting ready to possibly put it up on for sale. We've been in the house many times. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get real vulnerable with you. As, and I know the house very well. I know how big it is. I know how many rooms it has. It's a whole lot smaller than our house. And we're saying, God, is that what you're wanting? Is there a transition? Is there something you're wanting to do? Do you want to change so that we can give more, so that we can give 90% to the kingdom and 10% to us? And here's the first thing. I'm going to throw myself under the bus. You mind if I throw myself under the bus first? Then I'll throw Karen. I said, gosh, Karen, the garage isn't big enough for your dad's boat. <laughs> Many years ago, her dad bought a nice boat for us kids and everybody to use when we go to Canada on vacation. And I start going, wow, it ain't big enough for that. Karen goes, well, man, we'll have to, we'll have to get new kitchen cabinets. Those kitchen cabinets are ugly. So the thoughts of new cabinets and adding to the garage or storing the boat or whatever that or getting rid of the boat, of course, it's not mine to give away. We're all thoughts about how I and Karen would spend money based upon what you, we emotionally wanted, what we emotionally desired, the preference that we had on what a house would look like, and we said, oh, God, forgive us. You might as well stay in the house you're in if you're going to do all those changes. <laughs> but our emotional desires, our desires for things to look perfect, our desire for things to look the way we want them, to build our kingdom, to do it the way we would do it, to do it the way I want to do it. I, 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 I want what I want when I want it. To make it perfect. Make the house just perfect. So, what about you? 
Are you willing to work this week on looking at how God, what God wants to do on how you currently spend money? Is everything, are you willing to put everything on the chopping block? I don't know what we're going to do. We're just telling him you can have it all because it's not mine in the first place. If you want me to live someplace different, if you want us to have a cardboard box in India, I'll live in India with a cardboard box. Gosh, that sounds crazy. This thing with living with Brian and Sarah in our home has been such a blessing. Families used to live together. What if God would have families actually share expenses? What a righteous thought. Oh, no, I want my privacy. I found out through living with Brian and Sarah that Brian and I have a lot in common. <laughs> and I'm sure they found out some stuff about us that they didn't know. But one thing I did find out is I loved him. And it was a joy to have him in our home. It didn't cramp my style. It didn't, it didn't make life miserable in our home. But it was a joy have them in our home and I got to know them in a new way and they got to know us in a new way and they really now know we're crazy <laughs> what if he did want us to live differently what if he does want to change the way you're spending your money And he said, your generosity determines your prosperity. 